one and we're alive for a new episode of the electric podcast i am fred lambert your host and as usual i'm joined by set winchon how are you doing today set i'm good all right so let's jump in but right before uh thanks to our sponsor recurrent uh, get a free range cord and monitor your ev battery performance with fresh insight each month u.s listener can get started by entering their vin number or license plates at recurrentauto.com or uh, you can just click the link in our show notes right now all right, let's jump in. We have a lot to discuss this week. Um, we're going to lo- start by something that we, I mean, I think we discussed it on the show like a half a dozen times at least, and we just couldn't wrap our head, our head around why don't we have a CCS adapter for Tesla vehicles in North America. Now we do. Um, Tesla launched it on its uh, accessory teslashop.com website, uh, starting at $250, so basically the same thing that it was uh, on, the Nor- uh, North Korean, <laughs> on the Korean website uh, that uh, Tesla has made available for, I think, almost two years, I want to say, at this point. Yeah, that was in 2020. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. It took them two years to launch it. And one of the reasons why we thought, like, I, that was my lead reason why I thought Tesla might not be launching in North America, because there are a decent number of vehicles that cannot use it because they don't have the ECU, the charging ECU that, that can work with the adapter. So Tesla needs to retrofit those vehicles in order to, to access it. And um, I thought, okay, maybe Tesla is not really, does not have like the the volume of those ECU. We knew all the chips, uh, every, anything that has to do with computing is uh, electronics is super hard to get these days. So maybe Tesla is like putting everything it has in its, um, uh, f- for the production of its uh, of its vehicles and doesn't have anything for the retrofit to be ready. They're ready. They're waiting to have the supply uh, in order to, to, to have the capacity to do that. But then they, they launched the product, and uh, and if if you don't have uh, the right model, and by the way, uh, did, did I rate? Uh, yeah. So it's any build prior to October 2020. So that included me. So when I went to the Tesla website and I tried to order it, it had me log into my Tesla account, so it knows the VIN of my car, so it knows if I'm eligible or not to just use the CCS combo adapter, or if I need the ECU retrofit. And sure enough, I did. And you cannot even order it. If, if you do, it says that it's going to be available in early 2023. So that, so that wasn't even the, the, the bottleneck here because they're not even ready for the retrofit still, even though they're launching it uh, in North America right now. So I really don't know what's the, what was the holdup then. Maybe it was the actual production of the adapter itself because uh, I'm sure the demand for this is going to be quite strong. And uh, but yeah, it's available right now, 250. Unless you have a Tesla vehicle produced before October 2020, then at that point you need to wait until next year for Tesla to uh, to launch it. Uh, honestly, I wasn't even sure I was going to order it. If I did, like uh, for the most part, I'm I'm very. You are going to order it though. I I, I mean. <laughs> probably like just out of impulse like just <laughs> when it happened and to have it as an option but uh, i don't know if i really need it and i i don't remember any time right now that while i had my tesla i needed to access a ccs adapter i know that you you had a spot that 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 made sense for you in vermont i think right uh did we, you use order it? CC- we use the ccs uh so we got one from uh what is that company called oh that's right you uh, have a third party one yeah, so we have a third party, and it didn't work fantastically. It actually worked mm. at um, EVgo, but it did not work at Electrify America. Hmm. Um, and uh, there's supposed to be a firmware update for it, but I can't install the firmware update because it's you know very convoluted. So I might just sell that or 
give that to somebody and then get one of these if I still need it. I still have the uh, Chatamo adapter, which is fine. And frankly, I don't need it that often in Vermont. Like, actually, mm-hmm. we really don't even need it in Vermont because we have a charger at our house now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, frankly, like, at some point this year, we're going to start taking whenever that Rivian comes in. That's going to be our Vermont vehicle. So, And that has really CCS need... standard on it. Yeah. Um, also, like, looking at this picture, if, if people are watching the uh, video, it's amazing how big the CCS adapter is compared to the uh tesla adapter mm-hmm. it's like six sizes you know six times bigger of yeah. a you know interface it reminds me of like you know having like a serial connection versus like a usb connection you know it's like like generations uh, difference in mm-hmm. you know technology it, it you know and i i do get aptera's point uh you know we talked a few weeks ago or months ago about how it would be nice if the us just standardized on the tesla adapter um i don't think it's going to happen i don't think you think it's going to happen but it would be kind of nice to have a much smaller easier to use cable than this big chonky thing yeah that really highlights the contrast between the two here but when you think about it though like how hard it is to use a ccs adapter it's not it's not an adapter with actual connector period it's not that hard like it no, it, it is it is definitely easier to have a, a small adapter especially like in, in cold weather and things like that like the, the cables can get sometimes stiff and everything and then if you have to manipulate this giant connector it's not as easy as the very simple um tesla one but it's not it's 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 not going to be like a bottleneck to ev adoption there's no that's not going to be a problem on that front but yeah it does highlight just how much more efficient tesla's design is because this thing is actually can output the same power it's not like a power difference uh but yeah so uh 200 (coughs) uh, speaking of power this thing is rated for 200 uh what uh kilowatts 250 yeah that offers charging up to 250 yeah that's big yeah yeah yeah, that's uh, just as fast as the regular tesla adapter uh tesla connector yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what is happening in that little box. Like, I think it's mostly just a pass through, right? Like, it's just a uh, you know, big wire to big wire, just different interface. Yeah, I would I would imagine because uh, I think the CCS handshake much stuff. to it. Like, it's that's why like other third party were able to replicate it to a degree. Right. Like, like you said, maybe not as good, but still, it's it's doable. Yeah, the actual. Uh, but yeah, you just have stuff. to. Uh, the people have been waiting for. Uh, yeah. The the the, the retrofit is definitely a bummer, but uh, oh, are we are we do we have a lag or something? Yeah, I think we have a pretty bad lag. Um, yeah. but the the ret the handshake uh for the CCS actually happens in the Tesla, not in the adapter. So um, theoretically, you know, Tesla could even have things like plug and charge. Mm-hmm. Uh where you just pull up to a electrify america plug in and it's kind of like a supercharger although i don't know if that's the case yet but that yeah, that actually happens on the car mm-hmm, that's a good point so yeah but it's available right now you can you can order it we're going to move on to the next story all right that's something that has been uh i've seen a lot of concern regarding that in the last few weeks and um in the media and in the investor community and all that, this has been drop, dropping its uh, its wait time for a new delivery significantly. And uh, 
Of course, all the Nieslayers are jumping back on the wagon that the demand is a, is a problem for Tesla. That's why the wait times are, are dropping significantly. And uh, we uh, we pitched that to some of the sources. And we discussed it a little bit last week with our sources saying that how Tesla is planning to handle the um, the situation with the new tax credit where it's it's planning on honoring its order order contract with customer where it won't let people just delay the delivery indefinitely until next year in order to benefit from the new tax credit it's it's not as like accommodating as other companies on that front just because they they have just <laughs> coming back to it, they have the demand like they can they, they can afford not to they can afford to do that and just the issue with tesla and the wait time right now is matching the production allocation with the actual order bank so depending like the, the um tesla fremont factory for example is going to produce whatever amount of model s it's supposed to produce this quarter uh model s plaid mother s long range and same thing for all the other versions of the other vehicles and sometimes that doesn't exactly match uh the order bank that they have and especially at the end of quarters like this this one the, the quarter is ending next week at the end of next week you end up having some allocation that doesn't have an order right now uh, that someone is ready to take delivery so it does create some openings at the end of the quarter so that's why tesla adjusts their delivery timelines to let people know hey if you place an order right now for this specific version of this car you might be able to get it within like two weeks uh which is which is what is happening at this at this uh, particular time so it has nothing to do with demand dropping whatsoever the demand remains strong uh, also included in that post, I included uh, Pierre Ferragou of uh, New Street Research. He, he, uh, he's been tracking the wait times and the backlogs. And uh, he, he believes that uh, the uh, Q3 backlog at the end of the quarter is going to be a little bit smaller than the one in Q2 for sure. But the actual um, order rate is going to be higher. So you can see here uh, Q3 higher than q uh, q2 so more orders this quarter and of course deliveries are, are, there's i don't does anyone doubt that q3 delivery is going to be a new record i i don't, I don't think that's you know, a concern for anyone at this point uh, q3 and q4 are most likely going to be uh, record highs in this case uh new street research put it uh, at close to 400 400 000, oh boy yeah, close to 400 000 in q um, in q3 and going up to almost half a million in Q4. That's, that's, that, would, that would be impressive. All electric long range vehicles, dude. That's a big difference. All right. The, the expansion of the full self driving beta is happening right as we speak. Over the last few days, over the last week, Tesla has uh, officially expanded its uh, beta program for the first time in a, in a few months. Uh, so in, in May, there was the well from from earlier this year all the way through May. There was a big expansion to basically a hundred thousand people that have bought FSD in North America, and uh, now Tesla is expanding it further to one hundred and sixty thousand people. So over the last week or so, Tesla added about sixty thousand people to the FSD beta program. Uh, basically, anyone who has a, a driver safety score of over eighty. However, there are some other um, other criterias, like uh, for example, some people have been complaining, like, "Hey, I'm over 80, and I, I, and 
I don't have it yet. Uh, there's some people that need the camera upgrade. That has been one of the main problems. That there's some vehicles that's gonna need a, a new new cameras to be able to have FSD, which is a, a free retrofit that Tesla is, is starting to offer. Uh, but there's also other restrictions. We were talking, Seth and I, about that uh, just before the show here because uh, we were waiting for Seth to finally get his because he, he's been maintaining his car over 80 <laughs> for a while now. But you were saying that you think that uh, it's because you're not driving enough on autopilot or, or more specifically auto steer. That might be why you're not getting the update. Yeah. So there's a little bit of uh, what well, I didn't know about this, but um, Tesla Scope, uh, a Twitter account that follows the app upgrades, uh, showed me part of the limited early access full self-driving beta, like, you know, fine print. And that is, um, to be eligible, you must have at least 100 miles driven on auto steer. And and I, I'm fairly certain uh, in my lifetime, I've accumulated much over 100 miles driven on mm -hmm. auto steer. Um, however, I think what it means there or what Tesla is is you using is that a hundred miles driven in the last 30 days. And if I go to my thing, I've only, it, it actually tells you how many miles of auto steer you've driven in the last 30 days. Oh, yeah. And if I go to the thing, I'll put it up on the camera here. By the way, they preemptively uh, told me that they don't have the CCS adapter upgrade <laughs> before I even asked. Mm. Um, let's see wrong car. Too many cars. Um, that's on your model. Uh, how old is it? Uh, your model three or model Y? No, your model Y is 2020. Uh, yeah. And I think it has the CCS adapter. Mm. All right. So I go to safety score. Let's see if you can see that. 94 should have mm -hmm. it, right? But there's this little thing in the top left. Uh, well, we won't I... be able to see it's too small right now. But yeah, let me see if I can bring it up here. But at the bottom, it says, it, I don't know. It says, uh, miles on autopilot, 28 miles driven, 1,062. And that's August 25th to September 23rd. So I think they are counting miles on autopilot as miles of auto steer. And you need at least 100 miles. And I've only done 28. That's my wife's within car. The, within just, the last 30 days. Within the last 30, within the last 30 days, right? Yeah. So I think that's a that's one of the problems that uh, that's why we don't have it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so for people that are getting it though, right now, like the big thing is obviously be careful. <laughs> it, uh, it does work well in some conditions, but there are always some issues, and you need to be ready to take control at all time. You need to be paying attention at all time. I know a lot of people are excited, like to produce videos about it and everything. I understand. If you do that, make sure that you you have someone else filming you. You have a, a, a standalone filming setup so that you're not filming yourself as you drive. Actually, you have to be careful because Tesla's own FSD. Uh, driver motoring system does detect if you are holding your phone so you can you literally cannot do that on uh, if you do it they're gonna block access to the fsd beta and uh, but with the expansion uh, they also like remove the strikes that the people had before so people that were removed from the fsd beta program which has been a controversial thing even though like they are apparently been removed for like serious misuse uh, there are people that actually paid for for the, for the FSD, and now they're removed from it, even though it's still in beta. I understand, and um, but 
it's a paid bit of <laughs> I think we should maybe like re rephrase the way we refers reference the FLSD beta because I hate when people uh like if I, I criticize the FSD beta and people are like hey you don't, don't you understand what a beta is like it's supposed to be like not perfect and everything like that I mean I understand but it's also okay for us to criticize this because we it's a paid beta we paid for for this and we right. paid for the final product and they missed the, the deadline the final product so I think people should uh the Tesla fans should really and myself I'm include myself in being a Tesla fan and I think we should remove any kind of leeways that we give Tesla about oh it's just a beta and everything like that because that's a cop out at this point. They, they missed their deadlines on this. They are charging a ton of money for it um, on front, up front, the money. So uh, I, they, they need to be a clear understanding of the company that there is pressure for them to deliver this. And if they if they can, that's fine. Like no one wants an unsafe product. So, but if that's the case, then you, you have there has to be a back and forth here or like you have to give us something you have to accept some refunds and stuff like that which is something that i said last week with the um class action lawsuit that right now there is uh, over the fsd beta so if the uh, tesla really needs to like we cannot cut them slack anymore on like this is just a beta uh and they've used that of course with autopilot with auto steer auto steer i think is still in beta officially <laughs> even though it's been on the market for what like uh six is years it, at this is point is it really still in beta i don't know maybe i'm wrong but i feel like i feel like if you go in the settings of your car right now it still shows in beta maybe not but i would i would need to check uh if it is it's pretty crazy like six six years of a, a product being sold to the public and still being beta it's it's kind of wild which brings me to my next subject um I think it's very important. So Tesla started sending out the invites for the AI day in two or twenty twenty two and of course, it's teasing a bunch of uh, announcements regarding full self-driving in there, the Tesla bot, the Dojo supercomputer. And obviously, there's a lot of emphasis on the Tesla bot. I mean, it's even in the uh, <laughs> in the invite here. You have the what appears to be the hands of the prototype, the working prototype that they're supposed to unveil at the event, making it a little hard here. It's very cute and all that. But Elon has made it clear it has become a priority for Tesla to, to develop the Tesla bot. Uh, for a bunch of reasons, like Elon saying that how oh, people don't understand how kind of value it's going to create and the impact it's going to have, especially amid the labor shortage crisis that we have. And that's all fine and good if they can actually deliver it on such a product. But I mean, this week, what happened even on top of that, uh, the um, uh, Tesla... <laughs> So, so a Tesla follower, an Elon Musk follower on Twitter, asked Elon about a fix on autopilot, uh, like just a simple like bug fix that needs to be done. And Elon, in its wise uh, uh, Twitter usage, decided to respond to it by saying, note, autopilot AI team is also working on Optimus and actually Smart Summon Auto Park, which have end-of-the-month deadlines. Basically saying that yeah, I understand there's a bug right now in Autopilot that we're going to try to fix, but you have to, to, to wait for that a little bit because we are the Autopilot and AI team is also working on our robot, humanoid robot, and also actually a Smart Summon and, and, and Autopark, which uh, that's more a fair thing because that's actually a product that is part of the Autopilot uh, suit of uh, features. It seems but, a little crazy, uh, crazy that that's priority 
right now. And also that there's a deadline on these things rather than, mm-hmm. hey, it, when we figure it out, that's when it actually is ready to go. And that, dead, well, that deadline is really just a presentation of the right. working prototype of the bot. So the, it's, it, I mean, I, I assume that it's going to be a crude version of the robot that we're going to see next week. And it's going to be more of like a, more just like a demonstration of uh, uh, like some narrow AI within like it's going to demonstrate maybe a few very simple things that you can accomplish, which is fine at this stage of the program. But but still the fact that even that is taking priority over bug fixes in autopilot is uh is kind of madness and and it brings a question really is is tesla spreading itself too thin focusing on is this robot project uh, however i understand how you like that, that that's the big thing like if you just take Elon Musk comment at face value the way he says it like it makes sense it's like this this gonna create like this gonna solve the labor charges gonna improve manufacturing gonna reduce costs across the border or in a bunch of industries it's gonna have a massive impact on the economy and everything it's like yeah sure it's all great but when it's gonna happen like like uh, you you guy we we know like it's it's definitely a possibility and i i can definitely see a like a west world type of futures in however many decades where we have a bunch of robots doing a lot of the work However, like Elon makes it sound like, all right, this we can do make that happen in the next few years, which we know it's like there needs to be significant advancement in robotics to make it happen. Even though there's been a lot of advancement in robotics, it's nowhere near uh, the kind of functionalities that human hands like like Tesla is literally promising with the Tesla bot. By the way, if you go back to the presentation which I did this week, uh, they're promising like human hand capacity with with the Tesla bot, which like this is this is millions and millions of years of uh evolution that created the capacity that our ends have uh if if and no robots have come close to it as far as i know unless tesla has some massive uh breakthrough and advancement in robotics like i don't see that happening so everything sounds great it's just like it's it's not gonna be on the timeline that elon says and that's not me saying that I'm more intelligent than elon and i i'm i and i i can see it better than than he does i'm saying that if you you know Elon, he has a pattern of being overly optimistic with timelines, and he has been with the self-driving thing, which he's already sold to customers for years now, and he hasn't delivered on it. So let's put a priority on that and deliver on that, gain some credibility on that for right. your robots. Because here's my prediction for next week, set, and I, I mean. Uh, we're basically going to have a podcast next week around. Uh, I don't know. They haven't announced the exact time of uh, of the presentation, but it's gonna, I think it's going to be on Friday. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be on on Friday. So oh, maybe, have a podcast. maybe we should have a late night because they always have it at like you know Pacific time, like eight thirty yeah. at night. Yeah, yeah, we're going to definitely discuss that next week when we get actual timing on it. It's also my girlfriend's uh, birthday, so <laughs> I'm gonna have oh, come to on, priorities, that. man. <laughs> I'm gonna have to squeeze that in. Uh, the uh the so yeah, do you think they're gonna take reservation for it oh god i hope not but yeah. yes i do i actually do think they, yeah. they're probably gonna do something like that because like, if they my, my thinking is if they have a working prototype historically speaking when tesla has a working prototype it does uh, start taking reservation for it uh it might it might be like more of a like um it might be more like a Tesla semi uh, kind of reservation process where uh, it's aimed toward like anyone could re- reserve a Tesla semi, uh, at least used to. 
uh, where you can just place a five thousand. Uh, I think it went up at first. It was five thousand, then it went up to twenty thousand dollar deposit for it. So I, I could see something like that where it's aimed more at companies where like the average Joe won't really place a deposit, the five thousand or twenty thousand deposit for a robot. Um, but this th this would be interesting because I think it would kind of test. Elon's credibility. I, I'm literally saying Elon because like, I think a lot of problem from Tesla missing timeline comes from Elon because he's the one that sets the timeline. Um, is is going to be a test of his uh, credibility where are people are really going to go for it or are they really going to like order this, pre-order this things like crazy, like Cybertruck. Cybertruck, of course, was a $100 deposit. It's a big difference. So again, we I, won't, I wouldn't expect that if they do go the Tesla semi route and Ask for like a five thousand plus deposit, but still, it, it it would be interesting because if they they do Cybertruck and like ask for like a hundred dollar deposit per robot, I think we see another Cybertruck situation where Tesla gets like a million a million reservation for it. Even though like I wouldn't be one of them to be honest at this point. Like I think no. I think the whole Tesla reservation process, not just because I don't. I, I have doubts about Tesla delivering on a robot and everything, but I've grown completely dissatisfied with Tesla's reserving process, especially if you're not in the U.S. Like if you're in Canada, like, I mean, like it makes zero sense to pre-order at this point. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, like I agree. I, I think they need to hit the brakes on the, you know, build the credibility, as you said, uh, with autopilot and not just jump to the next thing. Um, you know, we've done uh, some memes where like Elon's, you know, uh, looking at the bot and not paying attention to cars anymore, but it really feels like, yeah, that's the one. And it kind of feels like that's exactly, yeah. you know, like the Roadster. What about the Roadster? You mm -hmm. remember the Roadster? Like that was, I was excited about that for a while. Still, <laughs> you know, a little excited about that. Uh the yeah, roadster gonna need a big upgrade at this point. Like this, was it? I, I don't even know what, what seventeen. It was in VL. Yeah, it was. It, it came out of the back of the semi, which is also mm -hmm. like not really delivering yet. And that's we're talking about five years now. It's crazy. Yeah, the and, the roadster is gonna need a big upgrade if it does come out next year, as Elon said most recently. As a side note, I think they should offer the uh, affiliate referral uh, Roadster winners. I think they should offer, you know, a Model X uh, Plaid, and you know, that 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 would well, be a good way to tie tie to, tie people over. I'll ask you for a second here, Seth. I think I think I think the whole stream lost you for a second, but I assume I assume you you said that the, they should offer like a Model S or a Model X Plaid instead of a Roadster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, but uh, in the meantime, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> I should add that. That's by the way, why we I skipped to the, the meme here is that I used it this morning for my post. We're in a job listing for uh, motion planning and navigation for the Tesla Bot program uh, job listing. Tesla said that uh, the, they plan to use thousands of humanoid robots within their factories. So, much like the Tesla Semi program, where Tesla plans to be its own best customer and most likely its own first customer too. Tesla plans to use the Tesla bot uh, to to within its factories to perform some work. So I, that would be an interesting demonstration actually where if Tesla uh, unveiled a working prototype next week 
if they can show it do like some work in the factories i think that would be like that would be really interesting some actual like task to help the workers that would show some direct value that not only has value for like tesla but but like at least for for us who like have some issues tesla focusing on that program while a lot of other delivery timelines are slipping uh, that uh, they would show like, all right, this is actually going to help us with our manufacturing and, and everything and that that would uh, that wouldn't fix the issue in my opinion, but that would help, I think. All right, moving on. Yeah, the supercharger prices, that's something that we've been keeping an eye on uh, over the last few months because they've been going up quite significantly. Uh, the, I'm talking about the price of actually charging your car at the station if you don't have a unlimited supercharging on, like on older Mole S and, and, and Mole X. But um, yeah, it used to be like you would have a hard time paying more than $5, $10 for a charge at the supercharger station. Uh, but now uh, like you have a hard time paying literally less than like $20, $30 depending on uh, how much you, you, you charge, how big of a charge you need here. And uh, and this is, this is not quite... Um, the price of a tank of gas, especially not these days, because the, the price of fossil fuels has also increased. But it, it is starting to be a concern from some owners who rely a little bit more on the supercharger network. And this this is a concern that I like to frame, always frame, where most of your charging doesn't happen at, at the supercharger station. Like most of the charging generally happen at home, though electricity rates have also been going up at home in, in many markets. So that's also a concern, but not as big as a, a DC fast charging station. But now this week, uh, Tesla announced in Europe basically all European markets that, that they're going to increase the, the price. They are increasing the price of the supercharger network and, and they've, they've been doing so to be fair in, over the last year, but they, they had a big bump, like a, a 20 to 30% bump in many markets where uh, now you see um, uh, a lot of prices. It, it, there's I, I did do a quick search all around and obviously I couldn't check like most station, everything that would take me forever. But the one that I checked, like I couldn't find a station that charged less than 60 uh, uh, cent. Oh, is it it's still cent in euros, right? Yeah. 60 cent uh, per kilowatt hours, like 60 cents per kilowatt hours, which is, which is significant. Like my electricity rates here at my house is nine cents per kilowatt hours. And that's Canadian cents, not euros. So, it is it is significant, and that would bring your cost to over like thirty dollars, easy for a full charge on like a, a standard range vehicle, and and easily over forty dollars, fifty dollars for um, a longer range vehicle. So it is it is uh, becoming a problem. Uh, hopefully, uh, the supercharger V four with uh, more energy storage and solar is going to give this a little bit more control over its electricity rates at the supercharger station avoid some of the demand charges and reduce those prices. But in this case, this is like directly linked to like electricity rates increasing in Europe, especially with the energy crisis that they have right now, thanks to the war in Ukraine and the restriction on uh, on Russian gas, which has been supplying a lot of uh, European countries up until recently. All right, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about recurrent? Uh, yeah, let me bring that up real quick. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Recurrent Auto. Recurrent lets you check the battery before buying a used EV and monitor your battery performance with monthly insights using its free battery reports for EV owners. 
And the new range score tool by Recurrent is like an odometer for EVs. It tells you at a glance how far a used EV can go compared to when it was new. It's especially helpful for people who are new to EVs and don't always know the questions to ask about range and degradation. Surveys and early results have found that buyers pay more for cars with range scores, even if not perfect condition. Anything is better than unknown, and substantially more for cars with really good range scores. For EV owners thinking about selling in the next 12 months, e.g. waiting for a pre-order for a hot new EV, Recurrent offers a free EV-specific valuation from BlackBook that owners can use to sell their EVs at premium when ready. It's only available in the U.S. at the moment for most Tesla, Chevrolet, and Nissan EV models. You can head over to recurrentauto.com sell for more info and to get your free reports now. Thank you, Recurrent, for sponsoring yep. this week's episode of the Electric Podcast. Uh, if you, We have a few more news items I wanted to discuss before we end the show, but before that, too, we're going to take your questions and discuss the subject that you want to discuss. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today or different subjects in the EV world that you want us to address today, please uh, put a comment right now in the comment section of whatever app you're um, watching. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, the whole shebang. So leave us your comment and we're going to get to them in a few minutes. But Earths had another big announcement this week. Uh, if you haven't been following their story over the last year, they've been heavily investing in electrifying their fleet of rental vehicles. Uh, obviously, the, the big Tesla order last year, 100,000 Tesla Model 3s, and they ended up adding Model Ys to the fleet earlier this year. That was a, a huge deal. And uh, they already took deliveries of tens of thousands of vehicles. They said that they're going to get the 100,000 by the end of the year, but when they said that, Tesla was like, eh, I'm not, I'm not so sure. That's gonna be, we didn't agree to that. Right. Uh, but they've basically been buying everything they can get. Uh, but they haven't been alone, though. Like Autonomy also has basically been doing the same thing, buying as many Tesla as they can get. So there's a, there's kind of a competition for fleet uh, operators like that, large fleet operators like Hertz and Autonomy is a subscription service. So they, uh, they, they, they've been branching out Hertz to other automakers they, uh, at an order of 65,000 vehicles for Polestar. But that was over five years, so it, sh it should be easier to, to, to get. It's a way more gradual than like basically 100,000 tests over two years. And now they are hiding an order of up to 175,000 vehicles from GM uh, throughout all their brands. So electric vehicles from Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, and even some bright drop uh, electric vans. And that's 170,000 vehicles uh, over the next five years. And the first deliveries are going to start first quarter of next year, starting with Chevy Bolt EVs and EUVs that you're going to be able to rent out at Earth's locations. So that's interesting. Uh, I mean, the, the Bolt EV and Bolt EUVs are not bad rental car, I think, for like, like city drivings and things like that. Um, however, uh, like for long distance, for longer distance travel, it's not ideal vehicle. Which I don't know how exactly. Like it probably they probably can find some location to put them at where it would make sense. People would be okay with renting a Bolt EV or UV. But I feel like when you rent a car out of the airport, it's generally like to, you want to drive like further than like the city or something like that. Because if you're gonna stay in the city, normally you, you won't bother to even rent a car. You're gonna use uh, public transport or Uber or taxis or whatever. 
so that 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 could be interesting here. Uh, they may maybe uh, they they do something too, like because yeah, Tesla they did the the deal for 100,000 vehicles, then they did another deal for 50,000 Tesla vehicles that hurts uh, rent to Uber drivers. Uh, both EV and EUVs are not bad for for Uber drivers for any kind of ride sharing. So maybe they do something like that too. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they said 175,000, but they said like Buick, GMC, Cadillac. So you're going to see some Lyric in there. You're going to see some uh, some GMC, some Hummer EV maybe. <laughs> GMC, uh, uh, now they have the Sierra EV coming too, I guess. Uh, but I think out if it's a, at that large of an order, like 175,000 vehicles, I would assume we're going to see a lot of uh, Equinox EV and Blazer EV uh, in that order. Uh, I think uh, I think that would make sense both sure. price wise and also like i think those are going to be very popular rental car makes more sense i think yeah uh the bolt is actually very narrow uh so like you're sitting quite close to the person next to you um which is like you know for for a lot of things it's fine but i think a lot of people in rental cars expect a little bit more width unless they get the compact option so the equinox is actually much wider than the bolt and uh will probably make a better rental car Okay, I lost, I lost you a little bit on this. I think uh, I think I don't know if it's me having issues with my internet connection, or if it's you. But we we keep like lagging out of. Uh, you you can hear me right now, right? Yeah. Are you on uh, Ethernet or wireless? Uh, I'm on wireless, but I've never yeah. had any problem here. Normally, uh, my connection is pretty strong. Uh, but yeah, let's move on from uh, Earth. But like, kudos on Earth. Like that's basically yeah, that's I think, big. 300,000, over 300,000 vehicles that they have ordered, uh, electric vehicles that they ordered over the last uh, last year, basically. Uh, Kia made an announcement this week that they're going to produce electric vehicles in the U.S. starting in 2024. Big surprise after the Inflation Reduction Act that is forcing a lot of uh, foreign automakers to produce their EVs in North America in order to get access to the, the tax credit. So the uh, Kia adds the EV6, and they have the EV9 coming, and they have they have a good portfolio coming uh, to the U.S. or well, already in the U.S. in some cases, I should say. Uh, so, yeah, now if uh, if they want to keep their momentum going, they're gonna have to switch to local production relatively soon. So they announced this week that uh, they are looking for a location to produce their EVs in the U.S. As did did it say? I don't think they, they mentioned specifics. They're most likely going to partner with Hyundai, and, and since they are both built on the E and GMP platform, uh, so the, the same Hyundai branded vehicle can can be produced with the with the Kia branded vehicle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. In the trucking long haul truck, long haul like that's the actual name of the truck here. The E Actros long haul from Mercedes Benz truck was unveiled this week. Um, it's the the Yak Trust. They already have like a short, like city, uh, shorter city version of the truck. Now they unveil a long all version for, as you imagine, long all. However, it's not a crazy range that they have on this. Like it's not what we're used to when we talk about long haul trucking. We talk about like driving over 500 miles per day. Uh, here we're talking about around 500 kilometers of range on a single charge, which is about 310 miles of range. Still pretty good for a full size, um, like class eight truck here. And I would assume they didn't say in the release, but I would assume that 310 miles of range is with a full load. Otherwise, it would it wouldn't make sense. Interestingly, they talk about having LFP cells in there, so they're not going mm. with higher energy density cells. They're doing with LFP cells, and they say that that's for longevity. 
because uh, they want the truck to last 10 years, 1.2 million kilometers, that's 750,000 miles. And LFP cells have been known to last a little bit longer depending on their use, um, usage rate. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting move from, from uh, Mercedes-Benz where they're going with a longer range truck, not using higher density cells that normally would enable a longer range. And that definitely is shown with the specs of that truck because it gets 310 miles of range. While we know that Tesla is releasing a Tesla Semi this year with 500 miles of range with a full load. So this is this is different uh, category completely. But um, maybe they can compete with longevity and that will affect uh, the overall cost of operation uh, over the lifetime of the truck, which is a big deal because any kind of commercial trucking, it's like uh, you, you have to have the bean counter, like making sure that it makes sense or a per mile cost over the lifetime of the vehicle. So an hey, interesting look, move. Yeah, go ahead. It's really interesting. Uh, LFP cells have kind of been like the big story in battery world uh, mm -hmm. over the last year or so. Obviously, Tesla in China, big thing. But it kind of feels like everybody's jumping on the LFP bandwagon. If, you know, not for the high-end, high output vehicles, but just for the, like the regular, you know, middle of the road ones, it seems like LFPs make a lot more sense, a little bit cheaper, don't use the wrong chemicals, seem, you know, the, the trade-offs are pretty good. So it's kind of a surprise because we didn't see that coming really. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's purely out of necessity. Like the, the, you, you kind of have to, like the nickel is just too tight of a ball neck right now where if you want to deliver any product, you might have to have LFP cells in it to uh, uh, to a degree. Uh, and it's, I think I think a lot of people panic too with the when the price of nickel like shoot up like three times in in a week uh, during the the, the war. Uh, but that have that has come down significantly, and I think I think we're back to like pre-war level of nickel pricing at this point. So maybe that was like an overreaction. Well, not, not maybe. It was an overreaction of the market. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but then you have now lithium prices that are like through the roof. I think they are all-time high right now. They have not recovered since the, the war and they just keep shooting up. Uh, so that's that's a, a bigger concern, I think, at this point. But uh, yeah, I, th I think, think nickel-based chemistries are still going to be uh, very important long-term uh, for iron and energy density vehicles. And also just like vehicles where the um, the dimensions are very important. So like you, you will never see, I think. Uh... Oops, looks like we lost Fred. Uh, so we're still talking about the, uh, the Mercedes-Benz E-Actros long haul with LFP. Uh, as Fred was saying, um, they, oh, here he's back. Definitely uh, on your end there, Fred. Yeah, my apologies. I don't know what's happening. My internet is generally pretty good. All right, but anyway, we, we were pretty much it with the with the news. We can jump into the comments. Actually, we have. Uh, I just since we're pretty early, I threw in uh, my Range Rover PHEV review. Oh, at, at the bottom, you can refresh that and sorry about that and bring that up. Okay, I, uh, I forgot about that. You were that's in right. Well, they they can't they uh, postponed the review. Uh, oh, that's right. That's a couple right. Of weeks because of the Queen, but um, yeah. So uh, really nice of Range Rover to invite us out. I was kind of apprehensive about flying all the way across the ocean just to see a plug-in hybrid vehicle, but they said it had fifty miles of range, 
and it actually does have 50 miles of range. The last Range Rover, they said, had like 28 miles of range, and it was closer to 22, so I wasn't really – my expectations were low. Um, it was a super nice event. We got to drive all over Madrid area. Um, some nice pictures. Um, but the problem is is that it's not the type of PHEV where you can keep the electricity only on. So what happens is uh, if you're going up a, a big hill or if you accelerate too much or if you're in the cold or anything that Range Rover's algorithm decides needs gas, the gas comes on. So, you know, we're driving around on a highway. It's only got 103 uh, kilowatt uh, motor. So you're talking about like a Hyundai uh, Ionic, the original Ionic that looks like a Prius and kind of acts like a Prius in this huge uh, vehicle. So um, even going up mediocre hills, uh, the gas comes on. But that said, uh, it's a Range Rover, super nice inside. Paint job was really dope, as you can see. Uh, just, you know, luxury, super nice. But the electric part, Range Rover is still behind on. And, and somebody at the event and a couple times since have asked me, like, you know, are you tempted at all by the Range Rover? You know, are you going to cancel your Rivian reservation? And the answer is no. Like, it's just the Range Rover is not anywhere close to, you know, nearly as fast as the as the Rivian. Um, it doesn't have the cool stuff. Um, I think there's actually a lot more space inside the Rivian. So there's a lot of, a lot of nice things about the Rivian that, you know, kind of trump the, you know, really luxurious interior. Um, also, the battery is... 30 38.2 and and they that's um total um i think they only use about 32 kilowatt hours but still you would think hey that's a lot of power you would think it would be able to go beyond 50 miles of range but this thing's just so heavy and so like you know poorly designed i guess that you can't get that much range from a big battery like that so uh my take is that you know if you're gonna buy a range rover this is the one to get uh, you might want to wait a little while um, because in 2025, there's going to be a Range Rover full EV, which I think is going to be pretty cool. What do you think, Fred? Well, I would agree with everything you just said. Basically, it's as simple as that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy that. Yeah. 38.2 kilowatt hour battery pack. That's, that's huge. Huge for 50 miles of range, right? Yeah, yeah, I, like I feel like you're almost there. Like, why, why do you have like an engine in there? Just remove that and then double the battery right. pack, and, right? And make it a little bit more efficient powertrain, and you have an electric car. Like, it's it's almost there. You're almost there. Yeah, yeah, and I guess, uh, and so the, yeah, here's I'm the other thing: lagging. Like, like, even my internet right now is lagging. Yeah, so uh, if you order a Rivian right now, you're probably looking at getting one in 2025, and Range Rover is going to have their full BEV in 2025. So maybe that's the reason why you know you wait because nobody's getting mm -hmm. an electric SUV anytime soon. Maybe the Kia EV9 or something. But uh, so that's that's just kind of the landscape. Uh, Range Rover, you know, puts on a, a great event. The people there were really cool. Um, we got to see some cool stuff in Madrid, so I'm not, I'm not mad at them. I'm just uh, <laughs> sad that they didn't have more more uh, EV stuff. 
All right. Should we go into the comments? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, let's see. Starting with Carl in San Diego. Happy National Ride Electric Week. If you haven't yet, try an e-bike. Carl, come back tomorrow. We're going to have an e-bike podcast for you. You're going to love it. Is um, it not drive? Is it is he is he joking? Because it's a drive electric national drive electric rate coming. And he is said it drive electric? electric? Oh. Yeah. Uh yeah. Or is that a thing too? Maybe it's it is. I just don't know. It's possible. I yeah, you're right. There is a ride or drive electric. Mm. Um there's a bunch of events around here. Um Jamie usually covers that, so I'm sure. No, we'll I think there's a post coming up right now on the lecture. Oh, cool. All right, uh, John S. Martinson says both of our Teslas are 2018 Model 3 and Model X. We have a 11,000 mile road trip planned for May 24th with the Model X going to Newfoundland where there are zero Tesla chargers. Need a retrofit for X before then? Very concerned. Uh, John, I don't know if we have any good news for you. I, I, although I thought there were some superchargers in Newfoundland. Is that not no, the, right. there's there's not. I don't know how which way he's going to Newfoundland, though. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, there are there are there are a lot of uh, good uh, destination charger that charge at like 19 kilowatts in in those regions, like the bunch of national park there that this has a partnership with. Uh, so, so there, there are Tesla chargers, just not superchargers. But I mean, you're, you're talking about May 24, so you're talking about next year. Here, uh, might be able to get your retrofit for the CCS, and also oh, yeah. Tesla might have more superchargers. I think they have more superchargers playing in the Maritime uh, regions of Canada now. Oh, that's cool. All right, uh, Tyler Hilliard, please advocate for Tesla to allow pushing deliveries that are falling or failing, falling into November and December into January to get the tax credit. Well, I don't think Tesla's going to listen to us about that, but I think frankly, yeah. it's, it's just an education thing. Like, yeah. you know, tell people don't take delivery until January. Well, here's the thing too. You came, why Tesla is doing that is like, Tesla has been like, they've been teasing that pricing might come down in the near future with inflation. If inflation gets under control and all that. Uh, but historically over the last two years, Tesla pricing have been going up and up and up. So Tesla is, is more about like they don't want people to push their orders if they have a price locked in on their orders and then get the also the incentives. So it's more like, hey, we give you this price. You want a car at this price? If not, okay, just cancel your order and place a new one that you're probably going to get next year. But then uh, like the new the new order is going to be at that new price, whatever it is. So it's more about a, a timing thing where you, you're going to have to figure out like when when you you plan on having the car and you take a bet if you want to cancel your order because it's past your contract time do you want to take a bet that the price is not going to go up that's it yeah all right uh moving on uh kc5 gts says hi whatever happened to the model 3 tow hitch in the u.s uh i know it's in europe yeah <laughs> the uh, I... They think there's no more. I think they, they think there's just no market for it or something like that. Like that's normally what Tesla's reason. They say like, no, we we had it for like a week and no one ordered it, so eh, didn't do it. Something right. like that. I think there's definitely a market for it. There's, there's a third party market for it. I've seen uh, I see plenty of third party uh, installation of uh, yeah. Eco Hitch is the big one, I think. Right. Yeah, I actually installed an Eco on my Model Y because they didn't have any available at mm. the time. Uh, Was it a hard process? Was it easy? Or? 
it was pretty hard actually uh i didn't think it was gonna be hard but like i basically had like the whole back side of my mm. model y taken apart uh but it works fine the only problem is is that um i can't do a trailer mode or, or tow mode so the whole time we're like driving up to vermont with the bikes like the back is like it's not beeping it's just you know the red the red thing's freaking out or whatever so that's annoying they don't like third parties mm-hmm. all right uh can you cover the stanford report on the downside of nighttime charging uh i did see that did you see that fred uh there's something no about, i did not um so you know just as evs uh proliferate like there's more and more evs around and as solar proliferates um it's going to uh not no longer make sense to charge at night um it's going to make sense to charge more during the day or you know different times and i think i think we'll get there like it seemed to be like a big deal but really oh we there right now like is like we have to be careful right now it's not a problem to charge at nighttime it makes more sense right (laughs) yeah right now it's absolutely makes more sense in most places i don't don't Mm. know if all places but um the idea was that you know like as there's more and more evs and as the grid goes to more solar uh it's going to make more sense to charge during the daytime which yeah that 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 makes sense um but there's also you know charging from batteries and all kinds of other stuff all right uh casey yeah well i mean workplace any charging sorry go ahead yeah go ahead no but the 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 workplace Uh, charging like you should, you can it's going to make sense to charge your car where your car is parked basically that's the that's the big difference so if your car is parked during the day and your solar production during the day just have a charging option during the day wherever your car is parked and you, you solve the problem right there yeah and and for most people it's not like you have to charge your full car every day so mm-hmm. you know even if you have a few hours at work it's often enough to uh, fully charge all right, moving on. Uh, any charging tips in southern Vermont around Manchester? Going there next week. Um, I answered that. Um, there's a Northshire Bookstore 50 kilowatt charger EVgo for fast charging. I have a feeling you're a Tesla person, so unless you have a Chatmo adapter, um, there's a bunch of uh, Tesla level two. One is at uh, Johnny Seesaw's, great restaurant. Uh, but, you know, also at the Equinox and a bunch of other places. So, you know, use an app, pick them out. All right. Uh, Roll of 20 says priority should be manufacturing and getting prices down. That's in regard to the Tesla bot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then continues. I hate to call things a scam, but Tesla bot pretty much is a scam. There's no way it works within the next 10 years. Yeah. I disagree. I think it can work within tech. I think it can definitely have useful application within 10 years. Do I think it gets to a Westworld type of robot within tech years? Maybe not. I mean, is it going to be actually a robot or are we just talking about like more factory, you know, things? Like, does it have to look like a human? Well, that, it... that's that's the whole point. Is like there's already plenty of robots in factories, in Tesla factories, or any other factories, but right. they are purpose-built robot for a specific thing. Uh, the the idea of having like a humanoid robot is that a lot of the machinery, a lot of um, the the things that needs to be operated within a factory setting or, or, or any kind of settings really is built around humans. And also, if you have a human robot, you can automate 
infinitely more things, which makes a ton of sense. It's just that the humanoid robots needs to achieve a level of functionality that is, it doesn't need to be as good as a human, obviously, but it, it needs to be pretty close to that. And there, Tesla seems to think it can get close to that or to, to a useful level, let's say, relatively soon. And there's a lot of skepticism, healthy skepticism around that, I think. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Let's see. The thing is that FSD has issues in standardized environments. How is subprime? I guess that's the uh, Optimus this going to adopt to a highly unstandardized one. I mean, in factories are fairly standardized environments, so that's going to be the first application of it. So that there, that's your solution right there. You're going to use them in that. Just a lot like autopilot, really. Like that, like FSD, the predecessor of FSD being autopilot being used in highway situation, where they're a lot more standardized, a lot more like you see a lot less corner cases on the highway that you do in city driving situation. Like FSD beta is being used that right now. So Tesla is taking a very similar approach, I think, with the Tesla bot uh, Optimus. Um, as it did and still is with uh, Autopilot and FSD. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a slow progression, I think, where we're going to see it used in factories and very well. Oh, I lagged out again. Sorry about that. All right. So uh, KC5GTS is my first road trip to Texas from Pennsylvania in late 2019. Cost $36 each way in superchargers. Just did the same trip and each supercharger stop cost about 30 bucks. Yep. That's, uh, <laughs> $36 all the way from Pennsylvania to Texas. That's pretty crazy though. Like that, that's too low. <laughs> if we, if we be honest. But yeah, 30 right. per stop, that's maybe too high. Dude. Right. Yeah, and I mean, if you're charging from home, I mean, the best thing to do is charge from home, mm-hmm. and except on long trips, obviously. But you know, you're still probably paying less than gas. Oh, most definitely, I think. All right, AI bot doesn't need a body. An existing welding robot can use AI to see if good weld, aligned parts, broken tool, without physical sensors, big savings, reliability. Yeah, so I think what the general idea is that you don't need a general human bot to build cars you just need really good purpose-built bots but maybe you know maybe the humanoid thing needs to happen something i don't know what do you any thoughts there well i i think it's just like people people at tesla factory shouldn't be scared like oh we're gonna lose our jobs or anything like that i think it's just uh gonna result in some efficiencies where the, the robot's gonna be able to take parts of your job away where and then you're going to be able to spend more times on other things and, and, and things like that uh I, I don't i don't think you can just like one robot replace one human or one human during a shift and then the robot can work like three shifts whatever uh I, i'm just like that, that it's it's we're years and years and years away decades away from that but i think one robot within a team of people can help that team become more efficient and things like that. I think it's we're more talking about something like that. And as for like a welding robots and things like that, like that, those are already there. They already use AI and computer vision. And so that's there's there's nothing like it's, it's not either or. It's they, they're going to work all together. All right, moving ahead a little bit. Uh, Mark Webb question: Do Powerwalls use LFP? And if not, I wonder why not. I have net metering, so I always keep Powerwalls at 100% charge for backup only. Not good for nickel-based chemistry. I've read. That does make a lot of sense. What do you think? 
Uh, I think as of until like recently, I don't, we didn't have any indication that Tesla has moved Powerwall to LFP until uh, the most recent uh, announcement that they increased production to 6,500 units per week. That that that's, that was the first indication that is oh maybe they uh, figure out a bottleneck here and they are using different cells, maybe LFP cells. And we did we had the same thing with Mega Pack 2.0, like the, the the new Mega Pack with more energy but bigger less energy density we thought oh, that sounds like lfp cell so maybe tesla has recently moved its energy products to lfp but we don't have a confirmation just yet but if you already have some for a while it's probably not no all right randy tyrell any predictions for ai day 2.0 uh we talked about a little bit any any strange and weird and wild <laughs> ideas nothing strange weird and wild but I think what we're going to see is last year we had the Dojo uh, chip and tile. Uh, I would hope for the Dojo super cluster or at least like some form of a, of a supercomputer cluster this time. So that, that would be a, a, a big step. For full self-driving, that's the one where like uh, it's going to be a lot of like inside baseball stuff again, I think. Uh, I, 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 I don't... It would be nice for like an updated timeline, but like... What's that timeline going to be again with, with that? Like already Elon this year made a big change where he went from like a million taxi by the end of the year to a million people on FSD beta in a year, which is like doesn't mean anything. Like that's it's not nowhere near the same thing. So uh, I think what we need is give us a clear roadmap to when does FSD Tesla feel confident enough to go to regulators and take responsibility for the system. Uh, and you say you don't, we don't need driver supervision. Like when do you see that happening? And, uh, and not only when do you see that happening, but show us like a clear roadmap with show us like driver intervention within the FSD beta, show us uh, driver interruption, uh, show us like, uh, show us some progression that is not just a bunch of YouTubers that Oh, I like that again. I'm yeah, sorry. I think you're back. All right. Sorry about that. I went on a good rant too. Mm. <laughs> we got the first half of it. <laughs> sorry about that. All right. Uh, let's just move down since the um, there's kind of a conversation here that's kind of interesting. Um, Joel Sapp, if we move to time of use pricing, this will eliminate the issue that Stanford mentions. I have seen reports as well that 50% of cars charging are at home. I think it's probably even more than 50%, but mm -hmm. that, that's a good point. I mean, basically, if, if the power company can just charge more when they get charged more or when you know they have to you know, go to peakers or whatever, and you can turn off your charging during peak times, then kind of helps everybody. So I think as cars get smarter, as the grid gets smarter, that'll be helpful. And then Mark Plot says, cheapest charging is at home on grid energy, super off peak overnight, $3 to fully charge. Obviously that depends on where you live and what, what uh, energy company you use. And then we were just talking about like home chargers are only 500 bucks and cheap to install for business, almost free after incentive and rebates. Uh, and you cannot expect employers to pay for electricity for all employees. Again, it's a big picture shift from home charging. I mean, 
they pay for healthcare. Why? Yeah, not? that would be just another another incentive. <laughs> right. Uh, it's yeah. So that's the conversation. And then one last thing: IKEA and Whole Foods already have roof solar, so free employee and customer charging would be natural. Uh, maybe not natural, but would be a nice perk. Yeah, th those are all solvable problems. Like this, they need to be addressed. There's no doubt about it. Like I'm not saying like I'll put that on back burner, but it, they're all things that like we can easily address, and we can probably make the grid better as we address them. And so it's it's all. It, it's all small potatoes, I think, uh, within the grand scheme of like increasing vehicle production, EV production, EV adoption and all that. I think there's bigger problems, but yeah, we need to address them. But I think that's it for this week's episode of the Electric Podcast. I do apologize for the technical um, problems that I've been having. I don't know what's happening. I've never had that at this this place. But I'm going to have a new setup anyway within like, ah, I mean... I don't want to make, do my Elon with my timelines here because it's construction that's happening in my house. But uh, I would like to say, like within two or three weeks, I'm gonna have a new setup for my podcast for the for the podcast for 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 my workspace in general. Looking forward to that. Hopefully, that is gonna come with a nice Ethernet connection. I do actually have the internet connection ready there. I just need to have the office ready. Uh, but yeah, that's it for for this week. Thanks to Recurrent for sponsoring the show. Uh, thanks to you for watching. Thanks to everyone. We, uh, we got a bunch of five-star reviews last week on our podcast app. Uh, we read them all. We appreciate them. And they do help the show a lot. Uh, Spotify, you guys went crazy. They gave us, like, I think we have, like, hundreds and hundreds of five stars right now. I appreciate it. If you can do that on Apple, too, it uh, helps the show a lot. And if you do like the show, please give us a thumbs up on uh, YouTube, Facebook, and all that for the live stream. And it helps uh, the algorithm picks it up. Appreciate and it. And tell your friends. Tell your friends. Have a good one. Bye-bye.